One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi. I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to the Life, Death, and Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. I know it seems like a strange combination, but that gives me a unique view of life and death. Death can be scary. I get that. That's why I'm doing this. I want to help people explore life, death, and what it all means. We are born and we die. What we do in the middle is the space between. I want to welcome you to my first podcast, which I'm super excited about. Today, the tables will be turned. Normally, I'm going to be doing interviews and exploring with my guests different perspectives on death and how it can transform your life in a good way. But today, I'm going to be interviewed by my very good friend and journalist, Allison Caden. So Allison, I'll turn it over to you. Well, hello, everyone, and hi, Amy. I should note that I'm calling, or I'm on the phone with you in New York, and Amy is in Chicago, Yeah. but we have been friends for how many years at this point? 25, A probably. long time. What did you say? 25 years, about, at this point. Yeah, 20, yeah, I think that sounds about right. So, obviously, we have two different uh, professions, um, but it makes kind of for an interesting conversation between the both of us. I think we have a lot to learn about each other. And I definitely learned something new about Amy um, a few months ago that you're going to learn about, too. And I want to get started with, with Amy. I mean, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your profession? Uh, what is your day-to-day? So I am a clinical psychologist or therapist, um, and I've been doing this work for almost 15 years now in private practice. Um, I started working with kids and made a transition to working with adults uh, once I had kids of my own. So I have three kids. They are now 12, 9, and 4 and a half. Um, So my day-to-day is spending time with them, but I also do work. So it's kind of that juggling like so many of us are used to doing. Absolutely. Um, You have two jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes. Um, And so... That's, you know, been my day to day is just working with people, kind of dealing with everyday life issues and then coming home and dealing with my own. So as a therapist, then people come to you 
seeking basically help for problems they're going through, just they want to learn more about themselves? What is the nature of your practice? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's everything from anxiety and depression, grief and loss. Um, and, and that's really where my interest in all of this kind of sprouted from is that there's a lot of people that I find are struggling with grief and loss and unresolved grief and loss. So while that's not necessarily the huge focus of my practice, it does seem to come up constantly with basically everybody I see. And so I think people may be tuning into this podcast because they have a interest in death, the afterlife, they have their own grief and loss, they have their own fear of death. And so I think what puts you in a really unique position is that you have a perspective that's different than most therapists, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about your personal relationship with death? Sure. So this goes back a ways for me, and this is quite a story. Um, and interrupt me at any time if you have any questions about it. So no problem. when I was 18 years old, I lost my aunt. Um, I was in college at the time, and she had had juvenile onset diabetes. Um, she was sick for a very, very long time since she was about 10 years old. But really, in the end, she struggled with what often happens with juvenile di with diabetes is your organs start to shut down. And she was on the list for a pancreas and she was on the list for a pancreas transplant. And while they were doing the, the pre-assessment for the transplant, one of the things that they noticed was that her heart was really weak. Um, and so they needed to go in and do heart surgery in order to make sure that her heart, it, 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 apparently at the time they had seen that she had had several sort of small heart attacks that had gone undetected. Um, and so she, they needed to do the surgery in order for her to get the pancreas transplant on her heart, um, because otherwise her heart wouldn't have withstood the surgery, wouldn't have withstood the transplant. So I was in college at the time. It was my freshman year. And I remember getting the call that she did not survive this surgery. Um, her heart was, was really... This your, was this your first experience with death? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had had a couple of people who had passed away. Like, I remember uh, a girl that I had gone to camp with passed away and another girl that I had traveled with um, abroad. But this was a close family member, the right. first close family member that died, yes. correct? Yes, I mean, not okay. great-grandparents and things like that, but my aunt was really like a mother to me. I mean, she was my mom's sister. She had gone through some difficult times, so she spent a ton of time at our house with my family. And so in a lot of ways, she was like a second mother to me. Um, and when I got that call that she didn't survive the surgery, it was pretty breathtaking. I mean, I remember just falling to the ground and having to fly home by myself that night, you know, not sort of knowing what was in store for me, because really this being the first close, you know, tra tragic death in a way. I mean, it was yeah, well before yeah. her time. She was 48 years old. She was very young. That's young. That very is very young. young. Um, she had kids, young kids who were in college and high school at the time. And 
and her parents, my grandparents, her parents were still alive and my grandfather was a physician. So he was a pediatrician. So her illness was really troubling as well because he couldn't save her, you know, as a pediatrician, you want to, as, as any physician, you want to do whatever you can to save your child. But I think particularly right. when they develop a condition as a kid, it's, it's even more frustrating. Of course. Um, but I want, I want you to fast forward a certain amount of years because I think if so many people can think about it and someone, <clears throat> excuse me, close to you dies, uh, it obviously is traumatic. You go through different periods of mourning and grief and, you know, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. um, but fast forward to a few years when all of a sudden you had a strange experience regarding your aunt. Right. So, so fast forward through college, um, you know, at the, towards the end of my college career, I started getting, I don't know if I would call it debilitating, but certainly panic attacks, just this really, really intense anxiety around, um, being able to support myself. And so there's a little bit of a backstory here. My aunt, um, went through a divorce and it was, it became really stressful for her to financially support herself. And she didn't have a degree to fall back on and, or she had a degree, but she hadn't worked in years. And so I really identified with that piece of her. And I began my own journey into therapy to try to deal with the anxiety, which at the time I didn't, I related to her death, but not her life, if that makes sense. Okay. So I, yeah. you know, I knew that her death was really disturbing to me, but I didn't realize how her life and the role that her life played in my life in the intersection and how I kind of made sense of all that really affected me. And so for years in therapy, I struggled with how to make sense of this anxiety. And I started grad school at the time for psychology and about... Uh, probably my second year into grad school, shortly before her son was getting married, I experienced at the time what I thought was a dream. Were you sleeping? I was, yes, but it was like a, almost like that twilight state that you got when they, you know, give you Novocaine for your wisdom teeth, like that type of, Mm -hmm. that type of Mm -hmm. sleep where you're. You were going to sleep at night, you were waking up. I had just woken up and then sort of fallen back to sleep. So it was like that in between state. Right. Um, and I had like, I saw a couple of images. The first one being my aunt was talking to me and she said to me, tell your mom, it's okay. I'm going to be at the wedding. She doesn't need to be upset about this. And then she said, tell Richie, my, my mom's brother, my uncle, her, her brother, my aunt's brother, that I hear him when he talks to me. And, um, I know that he always talks to me when he's running and walking. And so what were the, the, basically the details she gave you about your mom? What was your mom doing? So my mom was standing at her kitchen sink, washing dishes. Like I saw, I was like the image that the visual that I saw was I was in my mom's, she showed me my mom's kitchen, my mom standing at the kitchen sink, um, looking out our window. So my kitchen sink, like my, when you're doing dishes in my home that I grew up in, you look out the window into the backyard. And that's exactly where my mom was. When my I know that exact spot. Yeah, I know, right? We spent many a many <clears throat> times sitting around my kitchen table, um, and and she was just looking out, and 
uh, I called my mom that morning when I woke up because this, this dream, and I, if you could see me, it would be a dream in quotes because it didn't feel like a dream. It felt as you and I are talking today. That's how I was talking to my aunt. And I said, I called my mom and I told her what happened and she started crying. And I said, mom, why are you crying? And she said, because last night I was standing at my kitchen sink and I was talking to Linda and I said to her, I really wish you could be at the wedding. It's so, it would mean so, it would be so incredible for you to see this. And of course, at that point, I got the goosebumps all over. I started crying. My mom was crying and I felt like, okay, I had a a dream. And I followed that up with a, an out, I outreached out to one of my professors in grad school because it felt like more than a dream to me. And she what was, was your mom's reaction, though? Was she what, what did she think it was? Well, she she couldn't quite understand it, especially because then I followed up and I talked to my uncle and he validated a lot of what I had shared with him about the dream and the things that he shares with Lynn with Linda. What's her name that I would have never known. And so, OK, so Aunt Linda came to you. Mm-hmm. She said she basically gave you a vision of your mother having a, a conversation with her in a certain spot in her house. Mm-hmm. She did the same thing with her brother, your uncle. Right. Um, same the same sort of vision where mm-hmm. he's doing this and he's talking to me. And um, she gave you didn't she give you a message to tell him? The message was just basically like, I hear you. I know that you're talking to me and I'm doing what I can to help. And what was his response? I mean, I think he was equally as floored. He is also a physician. So this is not a family of people who are um, hooey wooey or, you know. (laughs) You're scientific. Right. Scientific and, and grounded as they come. Um, yeah, and I think I can that, vouch for that. And I right, and I think that that thank you. I think that that's what made it even more kind of mind blowing was that right. this was not something that had been in our family. This was not something that anybody had really ever experienced before. And honestly, at the time, kind of we all just kind of moved. I mean, I met with my professor. She gave me some books to read on this, and I just sort of moved on from it at that point. And how old were you? 24? 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the idea of the word medium, that hadn't popped into your head yet, or you were just kind of, you couldn't wrap your brain around it yet, you weren't willing to accept it? 
I, I think that it was just sort of a one-off thing for me. Like I, I had, um, some of the books that my friend, my professor had, who's now my friend, um, had recommended were about being a medium, like about mediumship. But I didn't, I mean, I think at the time that was when like John Edwards was on TV and I was like, oh, you know, that's interesting, but never, never thought much beyond that. What was the, what was the professor's specialty? What did the professor teach? She taught psychoanalytic psychotherapy. <laughs> So would you say that, the, what did you call it, hooey-booey or something? Hooey-booey. The whole idea of being a medium, being able to communicate from the dead or receive messages from the dead or see the dead, that's not something you would say is widely accepted in your field, correct? Correct. I mean, it's. it's okay. I think it's, you know, there's not... the science behind it is questionable. Um, and honestly, part of this, my podcast moving forward is to explore some of those things because I had remembered before this had even happened, she had spoken about quantum physics and string theory. And I had always felt a draw to like some of these more, um, like, the topics about consciousness and expanding levels of consciousness and things along those lines, but I never quite knew how to make sense of it all. Frankly, quantum physics and string theory still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, any sense to me, but I know that it ties I'm going to have to in. Google both of those. <laughs> I've heard the, I know it, I've heard the name of those, but unfortunately I'm going to have to Google them. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to explain it. I'm just going to hopefully have someone on in the future who can do that because, but we're I know. Actually, but, I, but we're getting a little off topic because I want to direct you back. I want to know the next time you had an experience that was similar to that. So shortly after my grandfather passed away, similar thing Which happened. Which was when? <sighs> Ten years ago. Um, okay, so you were what in your mid thirties? No, early thirties. Are you going to say my age on here? No, I'm not going to say your age. <laughs> so you were what? So you were fourteen? No, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. So I was probably early thirties. Let's just say. Okay. Um, might have been fifteen years ago. Who knows? No, but um, yeah. So he same similar situation before. Apparently, there's something with people getting married and you know, dead relatives coming to talk to me because he also came to me in a dream state, dream-ish state, um, sharing similar things with me about my cousin, things I wouldn't know, a nickname that her future husband called her and I called her up. Similar situation. I told her what had happened. She started crying. Oh my God, you're exactly right. This is exactly what I've been thinking about. Thank you. And and then that, that and this is it. all the same side of the family, correct? So this two is different sides. your aunt's father. No, two different sides. Oh, no, other side yes, of the family. This was my that was my mom's sister. This was my dad's father. Oh wow. So okay. yeah. So then I started and actually that wasn't even the end of it all. Um you know, again, sort of dismissed that as okay, these are just like one off people coming to me. But when it really started to be more real for me was when I started feeling like my patient's relatives were coming to me. Um, Whoa, I don't think I knew that. Yes, yes. And so your patients that you talked to, that you would be sleeping and their relatives would come and say, let's say your patient's name was Terry. You know, tell Terry I said this and tell Terry I said that. 
Um, yes, they're just sort of showing me pictures of certain, like I, I, for me, when I, 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 you know how I even feel about even saying this because it, I still am not completely comfortable with it. But, um, when I would see, I always see things like things come through very visually to me. So there would be like little images or flashes of things. And then I would just, I mean, I never, ever went into a session to say, oh, your dead relative came to me last night or anything. Um, You've never, ever told a patient that? Uh, no. No, okay. And, they probably get a little freaked out. Well, yeah, and, and frankly, that's not why. I mean, now, if people hear this, I guess they'll know, but that's that's a very, it's two, it feels like two very different sides of myself. Um, well, you know, well, what's interesting is I remember when you first told me about this, it was really only a few months ago, people should know. I remember you said you, you were, you, you started hearing all these things, you were seeing these things, and you kind of felt bombarded by it. And, and you had reached out to another medium and you basically asked, what do I do? And they mm-hmm. gave you some really good advice. And what was that? Yeah. So I, when this all started happening, it became really intense for me. And so I worked with a woman for a couple of years who just helped me really kind of hone my skills and also turn what, if you've read anything about mediumship, kind of turn down my radio, my dial. So it's not, it doesn't feel like it's constant for me. And mm-hmm. I, I sort of, I mean, I, you know, I don't put myself out there as a medium and that's actually not even the point of why I'm sharing all of this. Like I'm not going to stand out there and hang my sign up as a medium. Um, I really, and I can say, and I can say this in high school, least likely to be a medium would be, <laughs> would be Dr. Robbins. Thank <laughs> you. Don't, don't tell Either them what I, book. don't say what I was fair? most likely to be. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, don't say what I was most likely to be. <laughs> <laughs> but what, right? I mean, if you would, if you had picked anybody, you know, out of our, our class in high school, I would not have picked you. Right. And I think that's just because I'm, I consider myself a pretty grounded person and not that mediums aren't grounded because now that I've been in this world a little bit, I think I've met a lot of people who are incredibly grounded. Um, but my perception of it was sort of that you were out there like with crystals hanging around you and you know, well, you, you were, yeah, you're people. not into new age, new, you're not new agey, you, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that that's, what, that's right. what's sort of exciting about this is that a lot of people are kind of coming out of the closet and talking about this more. Right. So you've been going through this then for over a decade. You've been, mm-hmm. is, is it something you feel like, I, I should put it this way. You first told me about it and I, you know, my mouth dropped, of course, but at the same time, you know, I was, I'm also a skeptic and that's just my nature as a journalist. Mm-hmm. I want to say, prove it to me, explain it to me. Um, and what was interesting, I should preface this, this is a pretty interesting story, is so we were we were um, on a trip with some other friends from growing up, and we were sitting around, we had a beautiful day at the beach, and we were sitting around on a couch and drinking tequila in Mexico and having a great time, and, uh, you know, I, I our, was it our friends egged me on to sort of interview you, or you asked me to interview no, you? No, I don't remember. they egged you on, and you were saying... You know, you were kind of saying, well, if you were, you know, if I was interviewing someone or if I was doing a story on this, this is what I do. And I think one of our friends was like, do it. And I said, yeah, let's do it. 
Of, co- of course, I think I was a margarita in, but that's it could okay. have been the tequila talking. Right, so, so we sat around and we, you know, were very relaxed. And I, I started to grill you, and I and I didn't, and I did it like I normally interview people. I, there were no kid gloves. I was skeptical. I asked you questions, and then I think I said to you, "Prove it to me." Do you, do you, what did I say? I said, prove it to me. You know, can you, do you see anyone around me or can you talk to anyone in my life? Right. And what did you do? I think, I think you basically said prove it. And, you know, for everybody listening, that's like my biggest fear is that someone will want me to prove it to them and I can't. Um, And that's part of my, has been my resistance to this. So you said prove it to me. And I said, who's Jerry? I think were my words. And what did I do? burst into tears. I have never spontaneously cried like that, I don't think, in my entire life. And I just started shaking, I think. And our friends were there and everybody, there were four of us total. And I think maybe their mouths were like hanging on the the floor. They were on the floor. Um, And so everyone to tell everybody, Jerry, that's my grandfather who passed away when I was uh, an early teen, when I was 13. And by the way, I told my mom that. Mom's like, oh, you know, Amy must have known grandpa's name. And I said, you know, I don't remember Amy's grandparents' names, and I've met them a bunch. There's no way. Yeah, and and your grandfather passed away before I even knew you. That's true. So, That's true. And I don't recall him, I mean, ever coming up in the course of conversations. Although, right. you know, that was one of the things I think I said to you was, you know, after I finished your reading, I said, you know, What's going to happen is that you're going to go and you're going to tell people about what happened and they're going to start questioning it. And what I they're going to look they're going to look for reasons to discount it, I guess. Right. Reasons to say, "Oh, that's not possible" or how, you know, she must have known. Or, right. And I right. said to you, you know, what I want you to do is really hold true what you were feeling in the moment when I said that because that's what this is about and frankly, that's what I want to do for people is to expand their consciousness, to expand their openness, to expand their thinking around this stuff, because it can be healing in so many ways. And, you know, part of my journey was that the therapy was really healing for my anxiety up until a, up until a point. But mm-hmm. honestly, when I came to terms with and, and had my own understanding of what it means to, to die you know, that it, it, for me, this, again, this is my personal experience. It is not a physical, that, that the soul lives on, that the, the death of the body is a physical death, but that the soul carries on and is still there and present for people. My anxiety. Well, I, think, I think religion, dissipated. religion is, is for a lot of people kind of gives them that solace maybe religion you know the going to heaven and feeling like there's an afterlife and feeling like death isn't final but I think for a lot of people that isn't enough and mm-hmm. they have a like like anxiety you can be religious and believe in things but still you have that fear would you right. say that's true a lot of people have that fear of dying that it's final and it's over and everything you love is gone absolutely absolutely and and you know I'm not saying that I walk around now like bring on death you know I can't wait to die um, or God forbid something happened to my children. I mean, I can appreciate that there is nothing more painful than the thought of something happening to my children or, you know, something or my husband or, my, you know, anyone in my family. But also, 
um, the thought of them having to live without me is painful. But it is not the death that is scary. It's the feelings around the death that I think is is more scary for people. Right. And when you can start to have some sort of sense of and, and make meaning, again, for yourself, I'm not purporting that the way that I believe what happens when you die is the way that it happens. I think that the point you're of all this is fact. This is this is something that you're coming to terms with and learning about. Exactly, correct? and that when when you can open up your consciousness to possibilities outside of one way of thinking, it can be extremely healing. And I've seen that with my patients when I when when people come in who have experienced tremendous losses. I mean, I've worked with people who've lost children, spouses, parents. You know, everything that when we can explore what the meaning is of death and how they make sense of death and how they can think about loss, it frees people up in ways to really can live. Can they find peace? Um, I, yes, but it's also about how you can live a really meaningful life in the face of death because that's guaranteed for all of us. Like No one gets out of here alive not happening. No one's figured that out yet. Um, and, but I bet there's a lot of money to be made in that business. Um, (laughs) but I think when you can deal with it and, and Al, you saw it even in the short time we spent together exploring this, because you said before I talked to uncle, to grandpa, Jerry, um, that, even our conversation beforehand really shifted things for you a little bit and got you thinking about things differently. It's true. But I have to be honest though, in that those months in between our time together, I've, I've kind of, I think nudged back the other way and still have, I mean, I just, I mean, that's just me. I have a lot of anxiety regarding that. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe I need therapy, but. um, (laughs) Well, that's a topic (laughs) for a different time. Yeah. that's, That's a topic for a different time. But I think, Yes, and I think being there with you and discussing it and seeing it, it was it was very helpful to me to realize that love goes on and whatever that means. But I mean, I think people listening to this are going to wonder: Do you believe there's an afterlife? Do you believe in a heaven? I mean, where are these spirits that are giving you these messages? Mm-hmm. How, how are you getting these messages? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think part of this is I, I'm still not a hundred percent sure. You know, like that's part of my exploration. Part of my passion for wanting to do this little project is to continue exploring these things because it is very easy in our humanness, in our, you know, everyday life and existence to get caught up in the reality of what it means to be in a physical body um, and to love deeply and care deeply. I mean, Every day I think about, oh, my God, what if something happened to my children? But mm-hmm. I don't let that paralyze me because then I can go to that place of, but I know it will be okay because this is my belief system. So do I think that there's like a heaven and a hell? I don't really think of it that way. I think that we're here to learn lessons. We're always learning lessons. We're always trying to grow. And that you can either teach being a, a a soul in a physical body, or you can teach being a soul from the other side and how you progress and help all is part of your soul's work. Um, and your soul just 
resides in a body for periods of time. So do you, do you think, I mean, you, millions and millions and millions of people have lived in this earth. Um, are all of their souls out there? I mean, how, how does that work? What do you, I'm not sure. What do you mean by that? Or all well, like you said, like, you know, we live in a body. So, right. So mm-hmm. is every soul that was in a body at one point that's not in a body anymore, somewhere out there, or you know what I'm saying? If I'm looking, I'm right. looking for concrete again. I'm right. looking for right. evidence. Right? right. And I guess, I mean, I don't, frankly, I don't know the answer to that. What I know is that energy, you know, equals MC squared. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. We are energy, so it has to go somewhere. Um, I think that there's a lot of question marks, and there's a lot we don't know. And we can't know if we're not having conversations about it. And we can't explore these things if we're not open and curious about hearing people's perspectives and experiences. I mean, since the beginning of time, people have had mystical, spiritual, near-death, past lives, all of those experiences and they've reported them and there's you know amazing physicians who have had patients come back from the dead and physicians who experienced their own coming back from the dead and um, you know m- many doctors and um, therapists who have had patients experience past lives and things that just might not or I mean there are there are things that do explain them. You know, again, part of what I want to explore here. But where like I think it's hard when you're in a human mind to conceptualize what it looks like because we're so concrete and we want things to be concrete. And so we want to know like soul goes to place that looks like this and at that place, you know, they, they get their hair done, they get their nails done, they lay on a beach, right? Like, whatever your version right. of heaven is. That wouldn't be right. mine. mine would, you know, the beach part would be. But, um, but I don't think that it looks like that because you're not in a human body. So you're energy. Right. So it's just about right. being a, a light-filled, energetic being. Huh. You have so much to explore. Yes, I do. And I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to listen. Well, thank you so much for having me on and let me ask you questions. Oh God, and thank you. We've been we've been trying to do this for a long, long time here. So I'm glad we finally finally fit it in just just in the nick of time, I think, before the insanity of our kids and school starting and everything begins yet again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks, Al. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? curious about what comes next and what it all means, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.